Pastor Andy. Well, praise God. Thank you for that lovely introduction. And you guys mean a lot to us as well. And, you know, uh, I travel a lot and Gina often has the options to travel with me. And uh, whenever I'm coming to Taunton, she, she I want to be there. I want to be there. And she wants to be around your pastors because they're just great people, aren't they? Yes. Come on. Yes. You know, they've honoured me. Let's honour them. But you're great people. And what you've built is amazing. Um, by the grace of God but what's coming next is going to be incredible amen sometimes we can look at things that we've done and think they're finished when when God looks at them he said that's just a foundation and I really believe that everything that you've labored and you've built together um, here which is an incredible testimony to the Lord isn't it it's just merely a foundation of what God's going to get doing when he gets busy and we're in that moment of dreaming. We were talking about that earlier. But when we came through that weird season that looks like a little dot in the rearview mirror called COVID now, um, <clears throat> you know, we look back, it, it seems a long way away now, and that's a good feeling. There was not much room in that time for dreaming. But that time is over, amen. I know I was with you last year and I was sharing with the leaders about it's time to run, it's time to run, it's time to run, it's time to run. But it's also now time to dream. It's time to dream. It's time to imagine. You know, one of my favorite verses has always been that one from Ephesians 3.16. Unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above what we can imagine or think in our wildest dreams. But you see, your thoughts are the putty that God has to work with. Because imaginations are thoughts that are allowed to go places that you're not currently are. And a lot of people have vain imaginations and imaginations that are based in fear. But what happens when you start to use the mind that God's given you, the ability to think, to dream dreams? Actually, according to Ephesians 3.16, God says, well, that's a good start, but watch what I can do with your dreams. But he does exceedingly, abundantly, far above. So it's a joy to be with you guys today. And always a joy and good fun to hang out with your pastors um, and have the opportunity to encourage you in your faith today. I want to continue to talk about the whole thought of what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Because your mind or your thought life is a really key part of who you are. Do you know that? Maybe you don't think about thinking, but thinking is a very big part of who you are. And it's actually a part of what God made you to be. Now, I'm a firm believer, we were chatting earlier, I'm full on creationist. I believe that God reveals in Genesis his original design and intention for everything. Yes. Everything, relationships, humanity, identity. When we turn as people that believe in creation to Genesis, we have no question marks of what God meant when he made. Now, we understand that God made us uh, with a body. God gave us a soul. He gave us a mind. And he gave us a spirit that's been rejoined to him through Christ. Amen. That death part or that dormant part is now alive and active for those who believe. But it's interesting that we were made in the image and the likeness of God. And we were given a mind just like God's got a mind. 
But imagine with Adam, his mind or his processor was only ever exposed to godliness in the garden. He never had to process sin. He never had to process anything because his life was in unity with the tree of life. Then suddenly we read about the fall of man and suddenly Adam's mind and humanity's mind was exposed to thoughts and thinking contrary to God's. Remember, it was the thought of Satan that came in, did God say, and questioned the thought that God established, do not touch. Now, suddenly humanity fell, and we thank God for the redemption, but Adam's mind was never made to have to process anything but God thoughts. But suddenly in the fall, the mind of man was bombarded with the ability to think, process, and choose thoughts. Now, thoughts are important today, and they're really a big part of you, even though you don't think about them. Have you ever heard anyone say, a penny for your thoughts? Is that just me? Is it a southern thing? Or, you know, a penny for your thoughts. And sometimes when you're talking to your kids and they do something really kind of stupid, all right, not that they're stupid, they're just doing a stupid thing. But you turn to them, and how many times as parents have we turned around and said, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? We don't just talk about what they've done. We address, what were you thinking? And actually, there's a lot of wisdom in that, because what we're acknowledging is what they've done is the fruit of what they were thinking. Now, we're telling them off for the action, but even without knowing we're doing it, we're addressing why are you thinking the things that are making you do those behaviours? Now, a penny for a thought is an interesting statement. And to be truthful, some pennies, some thoughts aren't worth much more than a penny. They're not going to change the world, are they? Some thoughts that we have, if you really add up their total worth in life, you know, they're good. It's like sometimes I have to have a thought. Shall I put on a black jumper or shall I wear um, a grey jumper? It's not going to change the world if I get that thought wrong, you know. May call the fashion police, but nothing more serious than that. Shall I eat curry? Shall I have kebab? Both options are good. Now, some thoughts are worth about a penny but some thoughts are worth a lot more because the thought that you're thinking in the mind that God's given you is actually going to determine a next in your life so often we deal with the moments we're in and we don't think about the thoughts that brought us to those moments. Sometimes we consider the pathways our feet are found upon. And we get all bent out of shape and we try to change the pathway we're on. But we don't think for a moment there was a thought that caused our feet to be on that pathway. Now the Bible speaks a lot about pathways, that we're to walk on the narrow pathway, not the broad one that leads to destruction. That there's a pathway of righteousness, there's a pathway of wickedness, there's a pathway of life, there's a pathway of death. So many pathways are mentioned and we all have the ability to suddenly wake up and realise that our feet or our lives are positioned on a pathway. There's behaviours happening in our life but we don't step back one step and take a moment to think well actually where I've ended up is the fruit or the result of a thought that I had so I want to talk to you today and encourage you around this simple question so what are you thinking 
So what are you thinking? Now, thoughts are important things, but they're unseen things, yet they produce powerful consequences. You can't see thoughts. You see the fruit of thoughts. You see the consequences of thoughts lived out in the lives of people, but you don't see thoughts, do you? Thoughts are those things that are unseen, yet have incredible consequences. There's other things like that that we could categorise in the same way. Gravity. Now, it's great to think about gravity in your church because you've got a reality of the effects of gravity, just the other side of those windows. But we know that what goes up must come down. And if you were to go beyond that window today, I don't encourage that in any way, you would fall down. Why? Because of gravity. Did anybody see gravity? No one saw gravity. Yet the results of gravity are seen in what happens because of it. It's the same with breathing or breaths. Now, unless it's really cold, you don't really see breaths, do you? Yet your breaths are a very key thing in your life. But actually, your breaths are sometimes secondary to the importance of your thoughts. Because the life you live will be in alignment with the thoughts that you're thinking. Now, breaths are interesting, but you don't really think about them unless you've got an asthmatic problem or a breathing problem or emphysema. And if you do, be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. But how many of us who don't suffer from breathing conditions actually walk around in life going, how many breaths was that? <laughs> we, we don't, do we? Unless, you know, you, you, you bend a little bit towards OCD. Or, you, you, don't, you don't walk around going, oh no, how, was, did I breathe the same amount of breaths last minute that I did the one before? You don't. You just breathe. We live with gravity. All of these things are unseen, yet their consequences can be really good or really bad. Now, it's the same with thoughts. Thoughts are unseen, but the reality is, like breathing, you're constantly thinking. God wants us to take responsibility for the thoughts that we're thinking. Now, don't get into kind of mental ascent or disappear into yourself so one day you disappear into the black hole of your own existence. Don't resemble a croissant disappearing into your own belly button. It's not about... Who am I? It, it's being conscious that we are thinking thoughts, every one of us right now. You're actually thinking thoughts about the thoughts I'm sharing with you and your thoughts on the thoughts I'm sharing with you will determine what you do next. You're a greater preacher than me because what you're thinking about what I'm saying from the thoughts that I'm sharing will determine the reality and the good or the bad that you live in, right? So we're all breathing. We don't think about that. We're all present in, gra in gravy, a gravity. We don't think about that. That's a strange thought. <clears throat> now, when we look at thoughts, I looked to Google for a couple of statistics. And remember, these are based on an average person, according to Google. And I'm not average. I used to be average, and I was born again. Amen. I'm not average. I'm not an average person. We're not average. How can you be average when, when the king of all kings, the lord of all lords calls you home and no 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 this, these are average right I'm not normal normal is a setting on a washing machine it's not me all right I used to be normal I used to be average then I was born of the Holy Spirit and everything changed but if I was average these statistics by Google would be relative 
It says that an average person has 60,000 thoughts a day. Wow, there you go. 60,000 thoughts are constantly coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. And again, if you're an average person, 95% of those thoughts are repetitive, which means you're constantly thinking the processor of your mind, which is a God-built thing, is constantly processing thoughts, even when you're unaware. But actually, the hard work that your mind is doing is actually dealing with 95% of the same thoughts that you're constantly thinking, constantly reviewing. And this is why I'm not average. Google also says that for an average person, 75% of the thoughts that they're thinking, 95% of them constantly the same and negative. Now, I, I knew a, a wonderful man who's now in glory, and he says, no, no, God takes all of your negatives and he turns them to positives. So the reason I'm not average is an average person apparently has 75% of negative thinking in the way that they think. God changes that when we're born again. How does he change it? By the renewing of our mind, by bringing new thoughts in to replace old thoughts, driving out old nows with new nows. So suddenly we should be able to testify, well, actually, 75% of my thoughts are positive. But 95% I'm thinking the same positive thoughts. Now, thoughts are important because they determine the pathways that you walk on. So we could spend some time talking about behavior management or we could get to the root of the problem and say, actually, we need to begin to take responsibility for the thoughts that we're allowing in our mind because a thought is a powerful thing. And when it germinates, it can send you in a new direction, negative or positive. Everybody still with me? Now, thoughts have an effect on the next of our life. What you do next is relative to the thought you're currently thinking. How you respond next to something or someone is relative to the thought that you're thinking. Now, you're always going to have an opportunity to be offended because offence is in the room, offence is in the family. But what we think when we're offended determines what we do next or where we end up, whether a relationship is broken or whether it's not. What you think can determine so much of the next in your life. It's amazing, eh? Again, we're talking about things that are like breaths and nobody sits here going, how many breaths did I just take? You are thinking constantly. And right now, because I'm prodding your thought life, your processor is running hot. You need to put some water on it. Your mind is thinking, right? Now, the next direction you're going to take I'm talking about big direction, will be directly related to the dominant thought you're having. Now, different thoughts determine directions, but dominant thoughts really do position you in the next of your life. Now, we know this when we understand and study addiction, that if somebody that has an addiction has a thought about something, a desire, if they don't deal with that thought, they will be where they can get that desire later. So if a person's saying, oh, I'd like a drink, you can guarantee if they have an alcohol addiction, they will be in a pub or in an off-license later on because the dominant thought determined the direction of their life and the place that they found themselves, they didn't get there on their own. It's the fruit of what they were thinking. What if they would have took that thought and said, no, I don't want to be an alcoholic. No, I don't want to be bound by pornography no I don't want to be an addict to this no I don't want to live in self-esteem issues I am going to begin to say no I want to 
take a moment to think about the thoughts I'm thinking. Knowing that they don't just dissipate, but they cause reactions and positions in my life. This isn't too deep, is it? Okay, good. Now, thoughts carry the future potential for things, good and bad. Um, they carry innovation, the ability to innovate things, and invention. It's, it's a good or a bad thing. So if you've got a person who's working, who's at a company for many years, done the things the same way, um, like any other company, and turned over a relatively good turnover, but all of a sudden had a moment of genius where a new thought came into his mind. Why don't we try to do or manufacture this thing differently? And they allow that thought to stay and actually act on it and all of a sudden have success and the company goes from being merely turning over to being like a multi-million pound company. Where did the journey from good to great or average to excessive happen? It happened or started in the thought of a person that had an innovative thought, why don't we try doing this differently? Again, we can look at the fruit of what they did, but I want to pull it back it started with a thought. For those who are old enough, you remember hot chocolate and apparently it started with a kiss. No, your greatest action started with a thought. So we've got to begin to be a little bit more proactive and I believe scripture encourages us to concerning the thoughts that we allow, the thoughts that we let germinate because they could take us places. Courage to carry on is a thought, isn't it? that comes from God. When you're in a situation and you feel like quitting, you've just been beaten by the waves of circumstance. You've just been through too many things and everything in you says, oh, just give up. Come on, it's time to quit. Then all of a sudden, normally from heaven, you receive a thought, this isn't over yet. The fat woman hasn't sung. The black ball hasn't gone down in this game of pool. And all of a sudden, you have that thought, and courage rises in you, faith is released in you, and you get up and carry on. Again, where did all that happen? It happened in the unseen place of the transaction of the things that you're allowing in your mind when no one else around you knows what's going on. Now, the reality is everything normally starts with a thought. The greatest things I've done started with a thought. Yet the dumbest things I've ever done <laughs> started with a thought. Seriously. And I am amazed that in any given time, in one slice of my life, I can be a genius. And in another slice, at the exactly same moment, I can be the biggest idiot that ever walked near. Anybody else suffer from that stuff? It's like, how can, how, how can I be a genius in this area? And everybody's going, you're the man, you're the man. Then there's another area and I'm like, I'm such an idiot. Why did I do that? It's because of the thoughts that I had for each section of my life. Now, if I can continually allow my mind to be renewed and allow God's thoughts to be the sovereign thoughts of my mind and my heart and my life, then suddenly every area of who I am changes. Now, let me give you a little example. I was approaching this year, um, August 21st was my 30th wedding anniversary with, with Gina and uh, so thankful for that we've got one beautiful wife and five kiddies I know some more modern pastors like five wives and one kid but I've kind of <laughs> stuck with the original it works for me you know and uh, we were celebrating one uh, one marriage together and I thought I've got to do something here to mark this I really do then all of a sudden the thought came 
Why don't you make it happen so that when she opens her eyes on your 21st anniversary, on your 30th anniversary, that you're in Israel? And I thought, that's a good thought. That that will get me years of favour. That will. That thought. That thought there. That thought there. That's a gem. That one. Because she loves the Old Testament and she's got a real kick the last few years teaching the Old Testament. And so suddenly I let that thought stay, and I'm like, I know. We'll wake up by the, by, by the garden tomb. We'll see the sunset. Suddenly, my mind is out of control. The sunset over the Mount of Olives. Not one of the Holy Land tours. She'd hate that. She needs an Andy make it up as you go along tour. Andy hires a car and gets lost in Palestinian areas tour. She needs one of those exciting moments. And so suddenly, we get to August the 21st and we wake up by Herod's Gate, spend our anniversary walking around Jerusalem sitting in a restaurant overlooking the old city Jerusalem as the sun came down and I sat there at the end of the day and said oh that was good there ain't no way she's gonna not love me for you I'm in Favourville Tennessee now that moment was awesome But it started with a thought. See, the greatest things of your life start with a thought, and so do the greatest stupids. You know, um, family church today, 25 years old, churches all over the place. I can remember, I was an evangelist, I was on the M25, no, M27, and I was going down the road in a white Vauxhall Cavalier as an evangelist, when suddenly the window was down and a thought came through the window, God wants you to open a church. I didn't brush it off, I let it stay. It started to germinate. And here we are, 25 years later, thousands of people saved, loads of people connected, families restored. But again, where did it all start? A thought. See, thoughts are powerful. Don't ignore what's going on in your mind. In fact, take control of what's going on in your mind. Now, Different examples that we've got here, um, and both of them give us negative and positive. We've got David and the whole thing with Beth Sheba. You know, that wasn't good, was it? But that whole incident that produced adultery, a child born out of wedlock, um, a child that would die, a husband that ended up on a battlefield dying when he should, it started with a thought. David's on a balcony, and it says it was at the time when the kings were away at war. He shouldn't have been there. Wrong place, wrong time. He looks over the balcony, has a stretch, and he sees a UFO. All right? An undressed feminine object. Right there, okay? Right there, right there. And a number of thoughts began to come through his mind, all right? There was one thought that was like a Joseph thought. Me need to run. Me need to run right now. That was like a Joseph type thought. But there was another thought, Daddy like. Ooh, yum, yum. And he allowed that thought, not the Joseph thought like run, to germinate in his heart. Later on, he finds himself in a moment where he's repenting before God saying, don't take your spirit from me. And he could go back to that moment and change that thought. I know he would have. But I love it when Nathan comes. Nathan gives him a true thought and that causes him to bring everything back to what God wanted to be in his life. Um, Naaman. 
Naaman was dying of leprosy. You can read about him in 2 Kings. Dying of leprosy. And all of a sudden, God gives him a prescription, a thought that can heal him. Get in the water, dunk yourself seven times. Simple. There's your prescription. He wanted a miracle. God said, not a problem. Gives him it. And all he needs to do is get his body in the Jordan and dunk himself like a hobnob in a cup of tea seven times. Get in there. Get in there seven times. Simple. It's a really simple thought. God wasn't giving him a thought to confuse him. But the problem was another thought came into his mind called pride that said, don't you know who I am? And then that followed by a series of other thoughts that said, I want a guy to wave his coat like Benny Hinn. It's actually, he doesn't say Benny Hinn, but he says, I want a guy to come and swing his coat. I want to get in a cleaner river. And suddenly he may have had these other thoughts, but he was still dying of leprosy. Eventually he came in alignment with the thought of God, got in the river, dunked himself seven times, and the miracle God promised him became his. It was a battle of thoughts in his mind between obedience and pride. Prodigal son, a thought got him out of the kingdom, separated from his inheritance, left him eating pig food. A thought got him out of the pigsty, restored him back home till he was reinstituted in the position of sonship that he'd left. Thoughts, aren't they powerful? Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts can get you out of where you're meant to be or right in the centre of where you're meant to be. Thoughts are powerful things. Now, I don't want to blow your mind. I just want to make you conscious that every one of you today that are looking at me are thinking. My question is, what are you thinking? Now, we need to be careful not to let thoughts germinate when they shouldn't. Here's a great expression. Um, you can't stop the birds flying around your hair, but you can stop them making a nest in your hair. All right? Now, if you're follically challenged, I don't mean any offense or anything like that. Maybe you're saying, well, I haven't got much hair. You've offended me. That's just a thought. Deal with it. <laughs> Pull it down. I didn't mean it. I'm a nice guy. Let it go, let it go. Don't hold on to that anymore, all right? Now it says, you can't stop the birds flying around your hair, all right? Or your head, let's just say head. I don't want anybody leaving feeling they were left out, all right? But you can stop them making a nest in your hair. We can't stop all of these thoughts, these 60,000 thoughts flashing in and out. But we can begin to say, this one can germinate and this one can't. This one is going to take me somewhere godly and good and this one is going to take me somewhere ungodly and bad this one will produce fear in my spirit man this will produce fear in my life but this thought will produce peace wisdom calm and harmony even in the midst of a storm now the bible speaks of our thought life doesn't it a couple of well-known verses i know your pastors would have preached these to you it gives us two ingredients of how we begin to manage our thought life or our mind number one we learn how to take thoughts captive this is old truth but some of you have forgotten it and some of you have never heard it so let's not stop preaching old truth because it still works amen that the bible's always taught us that we need to be a people who know how to take certain thoughts 
that are going to take us on pathways we shouldn't know, not what God intended for you. By free will, he has to let you go and follow the thought if you want, but it's not his thought for you. We need to know how to be able to take thoughts that are not God thoughts or good thoughts captive so that they don't germinate and produce next in our life. All right? Old scripture truths here. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5 on the screen. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Do you know where strongholds are often kept in your mind? Now, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge or the thoughts of God. Now, again, sometimes we think that's about dealing with arguments outside of who we are, when actually it's about dealing with arguments inside of who we are. But a lot of the arguments and the pretensions that set themselves up against what God knows and what God says happen within our daily thinking. But then it says, and we are to take every thought captive. We are to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. There's an aggression in that statement, isn't there? There's a proactive aggression. And what it's saying here, Paul is saying, you will have 60,000 thoughts. They're going to be a mixed bag because of the fall of mankind. Your thoughts are going to be good. Your thoughts are going to be evil. You have the potential to think thoughts that you shouldn't think. When you understand that a thought has come into your mind and if it germinates, will not take you in God's direction for your life, your marriage, your purity, your finances. Don't let that thought remain, but aggressively take it captive and pull it down and say, no, I'm not going in your direction. I know I did before. I know I did before, but look what happened. I know I did, but I don't want to do that anymore. So I want to change that behaviour that's been a constant in my life. So I'm actually going to take captive the thought that licenses and fuels the behaviour. Right now I'm saying, no, I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to think that way. And when you do that, you're taking a thought that has the ability to create a next and you're making it a prisoner and accountable to what God says about that situation no one's going to do it for you now I know when we speak about pornography so often they make it a problem for men it's not it's a problem for both genders but the problem has the same cure when a thought comes in like David on the roof that would be nice we say no I've been conned before Right now, that thing is not going to give birth. That thing is not going to germinate. I say that that is a thought that has adultery connected to it. That is a thought that has immorality. It's not a God thought. So I'm not going to let it remain. I'm taking it captive and I'm saying, you bow the knee, ungodly thought, to what God says about my life and that area of who I am. Now remember, all the thoughts you're thinking are not being watched by anyone else. That would be a shocker, wouldn't it? If we suddenly put a screen up and said, let me play back the last thoughts you've had in the last 24 hours. Yeah, I don't think any of us want that to happen. 
But we need to understand those thoughts are real. You are thinking what you're thinking. And some of the thoughts you're thinking have destruction in them for your future or godly success, imaginations, breakthroughs, new beginnings. Now, again, I won't teach too much on this because I know your pastors would have taught on this really well. Romans 12 verse 2, so we learn how to take captive thoughts and not just sit there like a gullible idiot. Well, I had a thought, so I've got to do it. No, 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 no. Just because you had a thought doesn't mean it needs to license an action. It means that you need to be able to filter it and say, listen, I've been around the block a few years now. I know how cunning thoughts are. So let's just kill this baby at birth here. Let's stop the future of this thought from the beginning. Now, when we do that, we enter into what we call the renewal of the mind, Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to the pattern or the ways of this world or the thinking of this world any longer. Rather, be transformed how by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to attest and approve what God's will is, is good and is pleasing and is perfect will. This is really encouraging us again. Be proactive, be an owner of your thought life. It's like the best example I've ever known is to compare it to taking on a second-hand computer. If you buy a second-hand laptop or Chromebook or a laptop from somebody and uh, all of a sudden you're in possession of something you own, the problem is there's the information of the former owner on it. So all of a sudden you turn on the computer, open the screen, and the information and the thoughts of the person that owned it before are what display on the screen of who you are or your computer. That's like us in our new creation life. We did have a pre-existence. We were an old creation. And over the time that we were an old creation, an enemy and an old nature that's no longer our current nature entered data on the mother drive or the motherboard of who we are. And that information, when we were born again, even though we were made spiritually brand new, our mind is still in the process of being renewed. What does that mean? At different times, things are going to happen and you're going to respond or have the ability to respond by the old information that was on the hard drive of who you were the problem is that old information is corrupt so what do you do you press delete and you replace the old information with new information that's correct. That's the process of the renewal of the mind. If God would have just washed our minds when we were born again, that wouldn't have been in accordance with his salvation plan. He got us born again of our spirit. We know that our spirit is born again. Our mind and our soul is being renewed. And the final thing of who we are, our flesh will be renewed and glorified when we ascend in rapture to see him face to face, right? So we're all in this process where we're committed to the renewal of the mind. I want to encourage you when a thought comes in and there's an old creation response to it, press delete really quick and get God's response to that thing in the computer. All right. Now, Paul encourages us to have I always have trouble saying this because I have uh, speech impediments of different uh, um, thought. It's meant to say thought filter, all right? That's that thought. But when I try to say thought, I also say filter. So we, we could be all day trying to say, but you understand what I'm saying when I say a thought, a thought filter, all right? A thought filter. I'm nailing it. A thought filter. 
But Paul's saying, now you've got to be able to have a filter so that if you don't know what thoughts are of God and those that aren't, you can have an idea of which ones are which. So then you have the ability to take captive the thoughts that are not God thoughts or good thoughts and replace it with a thought that's in obedience to Christ. Now I love it in Philippians, it says, finally brothers and sisters, and here's the filter, all right? Whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what Paul has done is given us a thought filter so that when we don't know if the thought is good or not, what we should have or not, we ask ourselves, is it pure? If it's not pure, it's not a God thought, so we take it captive and we make it prisoner by replacing it with a pure thought that's in alignment with God. Is it a greedy thought? Well, God's not greedy, so if it's a greedy thought, we say, no, that's not a God thought, God's a generous thought. So Paul has given us this incredible filter or this chart so that if we're in confusion about what thoughts need to be made captive, we've only got to ask ourselves, is it good? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? If it's not, we pull it down. We make it prisoner. We bring it to its knees and we say, no, you will not govern the next of my life. You will not ruin my marriage. You will not ruin a pure mind. You will not take me somewhere and separate me or join me to something I'm not meant to be with and the pastor doesn't do this for you it's all of our personal responsibility to take control and manage more proactively the thoughts that we think okay let's bring this in for a landing so we've also got to then consider the source so your thoughts will be motivated by somewhere. Your thoughts will be motivated by media, social media, Netflix. This world that we live in that's just bombing us with thoughts and information, a lot of it is corrupted information. So we've got to be careful where we're allowing our mind to be getting or sourcing the thoughts that we have to process. Otherwise, you'll spend your life processing and a whole lot of the stuff you're processing, you didn't need to if you would have just positioned your life away from a source that temptation wasn't coming because you weren't in the room with it. All right. <clears throat> so media, other people's opinions, saved and unsaved, your own insecurities and previous experiences, all of these things have an ability to produce you thoughts that you can think. Now, obviously, the best thoughts we can think are his thoughts. Yes, yes. Why? Because his thoughts are higher. Yes. His, his thoughts are greater. And what God wants us to do as the new creation that's rejoined to him is we've got to begin to think his thoughts. Now, I love this verse as well, Isaiah 55, verse 8 to 9. For my thoughts, says the Lord... And not your thoughts. Remember, this is the Old Testament. This is before the Holy Spirit came to live in man. 
But the prophet Isaiah said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declared the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I can remember growing up in church, when I heard that, I thought God was saying to me, all right, Andy, me up here, I know everything about everything. I'm king of all kings. You down there, you're a little pleb in a dinghy trying to survive, all right? Me up here, you down there. Me up here, I've got big thoughts. You down there, little thoughts, tiny thoughts, little thoughts. And I thought it was a belittling statement where God was putting me in my place. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit helped me to understand it's the complete opposite. It's actually a God of high thinking turning to his creation and saying, come up and join me. Come up and join me. My my thoughts are up here. Yours are down here. My thoughts are, come up and join me. Come up and join me. How do we come up and join God? By taking captive thoughts that oppose him and saying, God, let your thoughts be my thoughts. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Let your thoughts be my thoughts. That's a good prayer to pray. Amen. How do we access his thoughts? Number one, through his word. That's why, like your pastors teach you, I teach my people, live in the word. Don't visit on Sundays, don't go to it in a crisis. Live in the word, be constantly reading, be constantly reading. You know, I read one proverb a day, I treat them like vitamins, there's 31 and there's normally 31 days in the, in the, in the month. I read a proverb every day, every day, every day I read a proverb. If it's, if it's April 3rd, I read Proverbs 3. I'm reading Matthew, I'm reading, I'm constantly reading the word for myself. Because the word contains his thoughts and his ways. And when I'm reading his word, consciously or subconsciously, his thoughts are coming in to the computer of my life. But this is what I really want to finish with. Not only that, as he's placed his mind now within you. Come on, how can we lose? But we have his word outside of us. But we also have his spirit living in us now if you want to be deaf to the voice of the spirit that's your choice but don't say he's not there when you were born again you were born of the spirit sealed with the spirit filled with the spirit your life is now the temple the dwelling place of God's spirit all right what's the spirit of a person it includes the mind of a person if you had my spirit in you you would be thinking thoughts that were normal to me. Why? Because that part of me would now be present within you. We've got God's thoughts outside of us. We've got God's thoughts inside of us. And this bit really excites me. That we now have a still quiet voice that doesn't want to be still and quiet anymore. We have God, his mind, living in us Isn't that powerful? Which means we can know the thoughts of God, not just coming from the outside in, but from the inside out. If we have ears to hear, if we have a heart that's turned towards God, if we truly have a desire to walk in his ways and no longer our own, when we spend community time with God or communing time with God, we are able to hear him say, forgive that person that you were not going to forgive. 
Love that person that doesn't deserve it. Suddenly the thoughts of God are present within the temple of our life. How incredible is that? Some of you don't look convinced. Okay, let me read to you from 1 Corinthians 2. It says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Now listen to what it says about verse 15. This is about the Spirit-filled person. That's you. The person with the Spirit makes judgments. What are judgments? Conclusions of thoughts. That's all judgments are. Conclusions of thoughts. The person with the Spirit, if you've got the Holy Spirit, give me a wave. That's wonderful. The person with the Holy Spirit makes judgments about some things. All things. Solomon knew the wisdom of God for all things coming into his life. We can know the wisdom of God for all things coming from our life. Because the same wisdom that was given to Solomon is available to us. Now it says, the spirit gives us judgments on all things. But such a person is not subject any longer to merely human judgments or conclusions of thought. Who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? Now this is my favorite bit of this verse. But we have the mind of Christ. So in our journey of walking with the Lord, we have to be proactive concerning the thoughts that we think because the thoughts that we think, even if they seem innocent and harmless, have the potential to take us places that are good and places that are bad. They can take us into God esteem or low self esteem. They can take us all manner of places and we have experts and doctors that try to mend what happened from the thought. God wants to deal with the thought by renewing our thinking with his word. He wants to exchange our lower thoughts for his higher thoughts. He wants to take our thoughts that are good and then do exceedingly abundantly far above. So what I'm saying to you today, brothers and sisters, is this. Don't just accept every thought you think. Think about what you are thinking. Where is it coming from? Where is it wanting to take me? Is it of God? Is it old thinking? Do I need to take it captive, replace it? Do I need to exchange this thought for a better one? Now, that isn't to be a struggle, but it is the way of the life of a believer. Because, like it says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks, so he will be. As a man thinks, as a man or a woman thinks, so the experience of their life will unfold. So let's stop trying to manage and put out the fires of what we're currently doing. And let's begin to change the thoughts that are positioning us in those moments that need management. Did you get something? Here's a good thought. 
<clears throat> if you've never given your life to Jesus, all you need to do is acknowledge that you need a saviour, that you can't pay for what separated you from God. But you don't have to because Jesus Christ has paid the bill. He's paid it. You couldn't have made right with God by anything that you did. You just didn't have enough and you couldn't do enough. Just get over yourself already. You needed a saviour. Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven to die on a cross to pay for your sins with his blood and to separate you from who you used to be with his cross. He provides forgiveness of sin and a brand new beginning. But a person doesn't enter into a provided salvation until they choose to respond with a thought. I need Jesus. I am going to receive Jesus. That thought contains the power to bring somebody from death to life. From separation with God to unity and union with him. If you're here today and you've never thought that thought, you've never thought, I need Jesus. Now I know a lot of you are God lovers and you've been walking with God a number of years. But just in case you're here today or, or you're watching or somehow you're connected to this message and you say, I don't belong to God. You need to belong to God. We were sharing yesterday that there's a day in God's diary where the Son of God will return, the church will be raptured, a tribulation will come to the earth, and then suddenly there will be a return of God and everything says it's twinkling of an eye. In the moment when Christ returns, there will not be time. The twinkling of an eye isn't a blink, it's a lot faster than that. There isn't time to change your thinking, have a new thought. When Christ returns, the thoughts that you've been living in will be the thoughts that you live with eternally. Let's make sure that we've all received him. Can we pray this prayer together today? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that your blood has paid for my sin. And your obedience provided me a new life. I believe in you, Jesus. And I receive you as saviour today. Thank you for saving me. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Just my every eyes closed, every head's bowed. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, maybe you've been away from God, but you know it's time to return. When I count to three, would you just lift your hand if that's you? One, two, three. Three. Is there anybody today that you didn't know where you were with the Lord, that you need to make a commitment to the Lord today? Just going to wait one moment. Thank you. I see that hand. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. That's very brave to do that. God wants every one of you knowing that you're saved and you belong to him. He wants to remove any question mark that would cause any doubt towards that. Father, I thank you for this gentleman and I thank you that Holy Spirit, you touch him in a fresh way. Fill him with your presence. 
Father, I pray right now for anyone who's been sick. Be healed in Jesus' name. For anyone who's been tormented of mind or emotion, be healed in Jesus' name. Let the power of the Holy Ghost set people free. Heal bodies. Make broken things work again. Make confused things clear. Cause strongholds to be released. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your ministry. And we bless your name, Father. Come on, somebody bless his name today. Somebody bless the name of the Lord today. Come on, in this building, someone bless the name of the Lord. Lord, let your thoughts flood our hearts. Lord, I thank you for a tsunami of your thoughts, God. Washing away old stinking thinking, God. Let there be a tsunami, Holy Spirit, of God thought, God-mindedness, God thought flooding through. Let every thought that shouldn't be, that's not your kingdom thought, be washed out of our minds, be washed out of our hearts. Let there be a flood, God, where thoughts, that don't carry your agenda are washed away destroying thoughts crippling thoughts that leave us cowering in the corner thoughts that leave us in a wine press instead of being a warrior are washed away Lord God blow those thoughts away cleanse our hearts from those thoughts God and let your thoughts rain down on the fertile soil of hearts that love you. God, let your thoughts begin to germinate all over this room right now. Let God's thoughts begin to germinate. Let God's thoughts of identity begin to germinate. Let God's thoughts of future and outcome begin to germinate. Let God's thoughts concerning what you can do and what you can't begin to germinate. Let God's thoughts filled with faith, expectation and hope and dreams for for tomorrow begin to break forth. God, release thoughts. Release thoughts. God, we take captive every thought that disagrees with you today. And we proclaim over your people who the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God praise. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.